What's going on and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, pray with them, and then respond in a way that hopefully will help you become a saint in your walk toward eternity. The reality is this, is your life and my life, our life, our lives are very messy. And whenever we are confronted with the messiness of our lives, sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know what's God's will for me in this particular situation. So the purpose of this show is for me to help you, to accompany you in making the best decisions that you can make as you continue your walk toward becoming a saint. Every episode, you're going to hit me up with three to five questions. And those questions can range from morality to spirituality, prayer life, relationships, justice, discernment, apologetics, catechesis, evangelization, everything and anything under the sun we could talk about. I can't promise you that my responses, that my answers to your questions are going to always be best. I desire that they will be really good and, and helpful. But at the same time, I acknowledge that I am broken and I'm imperfect and I'm, I could be wrong. And so if my advice is not in union with the Lord and his church, then I want to give you the freedom to straight up reject it, reject it. Be free to say, nope, that's not going to help me become a saint. But if it is indeed in union with Jesus and his church, then I want to invite you to lean into it and allow it to stretch your heart so that you could be able to um, be open enough to receive the graces that God has in store for you in your walk with him. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, I want to invite you to hit me up with your questions, with your comments, with your critiques at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And you can also rate us and review us on iTunes. That way, more people can find out about the show. So if it's helpful for you, then potentially it could be helpful for them as well. Today's show, we're going to talk about a number of different things, but all very important. We're going to talk about uh, childhood abuse and uh, specifically when it was at the hands of our parents. We're going to talk about how to deal with anxiety. We're going to talk about converting to the Catholic Church someone who's already in a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ, but perceives that he's inviting them to join the Catholic Church. We're going to talk about the father wound that many of us have experienced throughout our walk, and we're going to talk about receiving the precious blood and the chalice at Mass. So those are our topics. Stay tuned, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Before we get jumping into those topics, we're going to we're going to talk about a glory story. So I'm pretty excited. I had a pretty cool glory story this week, y'all. So as, as a priest, every now and then, just life gets overwhelming with just things constantly coming up and, and people coming to me with different things. And so for the most part, it's super easy to just give it all to the Lord and let the Lord deal with it all. But sometimes it kind of it kind of gets to my heart and, and, and my heart gets kind of heavy and and that happened this this past week, and so uh, I went to prayer in the morning uh, after just a rough, rough, long day. I went to prayer in the morning. Actually, I couldn't sleep, so I, I had like two hours of sleep, and I got up at like 3 o'clock. I uh, went to bed late because I was at the hospital doing ministry, and um, yeah, and so I was just, I was super tired and exhausted, and my heart was heavy, and, and I just perceived the Lord invite me to go study, and so there's this book I got. Uh, I guess earlier this year, it's it's a really boring book, and so I'm not going to give it a shout out because I just called it boring, and I don't want the priest who wrote it to be offended. But it's a really good book. I mean, the 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 substance in this book is absolutely amazing. It, it's a good read. However, it was just so difficult 
because it was so boring. But it's like, I don't know. Some things in life are just hard to do, but the fruit of doing them is good. Like if you work out, it's it's hard to work out sometimes, but then the fruit is you feel better, you're healthier. Uh, if If you give birth to a baby, from what I hear, it doesn't really feel good giving birth. But like the fruit of it is this really cool baby. Uh, the, the the fruit of Jesus dying on the cross is our salvation. And I'm cert- certain that it didn't feel good for him to die, but I'm happy because I'm I got the graces because of it. <laughs> but like, so that's what kind of like this book is like. Y'all, any woman who's given birth just said to herself, <laughs> "Father Josh, you did not compare reading a book to giving birth to a baby." I mean, I, I think I did because this book is so difficult to read. It was just so. So many words. <laughs> and and I didn't get to have an epidural when I read it. I mean, at least you had the option of getting the epidural. So uh, you gave birth to baby with the epidural, potentially. I, I didn't have an epidural when I read the book. But I still got the good fruit of the book. <laughs> I'm just messing. I offered it up. As I was reading the book, I was like, I'm going to offer this up for this person and this person and that person. Because it was a heavy cross to read that book. But So I read this book that I perceived God invited me to read. And it was this book that was, it's, it's very, um, it's about the virtues. And specifically, Thomas Aquinas, uh, I think Ignatius of Loyola, and maybe Francis de Sales was also in there. He might have been my prayer, my prayer experience. But, uh, but definitely, Thomas Aquinas and Ignatius were all throughout the book, and it was focusing on gratitude, the virtue of gratitude, and man, just to be grateful. And whenever we are going through the storms of our life, sometimes we could focus on the storms, and the invitation is just to focus on the gifts, because I mean, ultimately, everything is a gift. Uh, St. Francis de Sales, he says that we should never complain because what we all deserve, if we're honest with ourselves, we all deserve hell. Every single, you and I, we all deserve hell. But God in his mercy gives us the gift of salvation. So praise God. If I get a flat tire today, that's a gift because I deserve far worse than a, a flat tire for offending God. But he gives me his mercy. He gives me an opportunity to be a saint in heaven. Well, one time one of my, my buddies Father Brad, he, he dropped his cell phone. I maybe I mentioned this on the show before. I don't know if I did or not. But we were going out to eat, and he dropped his cell phone, and it fell into somebody's throw up. Uh, we, got, we were in the parking lot of the restaurant. Somebody threw up, and his phone dropped. It was a brand new iPhone. And when it dropped into the throw up, my first reaction was, praise God, because you, you deserve hell. And he's like, dude, what? And I said, like, I'm sorry. Like, praise God, man. Now, if that was my phone, I would have been tripping but uh yeah so we all deserve hell so we should never complain so we should be grateful so the book intellectually as i began to, to, to look into the virtue of gratitude and what it is what it's not i began to recognize even things that happened to me that week where i received stuff from people and instead of just being grateful for receiving whatever it was that i received sometimes i was focusing too much on on the gifts in quote that i received and I was examining them too much. And whenever you examine a gift, whenever we look into a gift um, and pick it apart, it no longer is a gift. It ceases to be a gift. And so I just had to reject that and, and just ask the Lord to purify my, my own ego and purify my heart so that that way I could just be open to receiving whatever, whatever the Lord allowed me to experience, whatever he allowed me to receive that week. And so uh, this book, enabled me to have this intellectual conversion, which drew me to a, a transformation of my heart. Like the information of the book, the book informed my mind, and informed mind it allowed my heart to be transformed by God's grace. And so, yeah, it was just it was it was awesome. So, my glory story this week was that I had an intellectual conversion that 
that brought me freedom. And I want to invite you, if you haven't studied theology lately, to go pick up Thomas Aquinas, or pick up uh, Francis de Sales, or pick up Ignatius, and immerse yourself in their writings. Immerse yourself in the doctors of the church, Therese or Teresa, or John Paul or somebody, and just uh, allow their wisdom that they receive from the Holy Spirit to be a gift to you in your walk toward eternity. All right, let's get jumping into today's topics. So, first topic is pretty heavy. First topic for today's show is about childhood abuse. This person writes, uh, Dawn writes, I have a few questions that have been heavy on my heart, and I was hoping that you pray and reflect on these. To children who are victims of childhood sexual abuse, physical abuse at the hands of their parents, how can you reconcile that with the commandment to honor thy parents? Whoa. All right. Well, thank you, Don, for your, for your question. I, and I'm also grateful that you invited me to, to spend time praying with your question and reflecting on it. I, I did spend time praying, and I just first wanted to acknowledge that I am so sorry. I am, I am so sorry that you, um, you potentially had to experience this if you're speaking from your own, from your own heart or that just, you know, someone that has experienced this, uh, it just, it's, it's so heartbreaking. Abuse is never okay. Um, it's never okay. No one deserves to be abused physically, emotionally, uh, or, or sexually. It's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and, and so, um, I just want to reverence your heart real quick and let you know that as I was praying for you, um, just real quick, one of the, the, the images that I had in prayer was just of Christ being abused as well. On his road to the cross, on his journey to Jerusalem, I mean, he was also abused as well. And so there's solidarity with our Savior that he gets this. Where other people might not be able to understand what you are going through, whenever you've been hurt by someone that you should have been able to trust, whenever other people can't, they can't even perceive it, and maybe you've tried to talk to other people about it in the past and they just don't get it, Jesus Christ gets it. Jesus Christ was emotionally uh, traumatized. He was uh, rejected, betrayed, abandoned by those he was closest to, his friends. He was abused. He was stripped naked. I mean, that's sexual abuse right there. To be uh, that, that sexual abuse that Jesus Christ went through, that he was stripped naked. And then he was beaten, physically abused. He gets it. He gets it so much. So the, the Savior... Jesus is with is with you and, and, and anyone who's experienced any kind of abuse. I just want to invite you, if you've ever asked God, like, where were you? Where were you whenever I went through this? Just look at the cross. Just go to the cross because that's where he's at. He's on the cross. And he's there. Like, when John saw Jesus in uh, his prayer that he eventually wrote in the book of Revelation, he, he, he wrote, I, I saw the lamb who was slain. So like when he looked at Jesus in heaven, because Jesus is the lamb of God, he was slain. He was still like the wounds are still there. When Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, the wounds are still there. He didn't say my wounds are going to go away. Like his wounds are there so that we can immerse our wounds into his wounds in solidarity. And so first of all, I just want to invite you to go into the wounds of Jesus. Bring your wounds into his wounds and sit there. How do you honor your parents? Um, well, honoring our parents is not reconciliation with them. Reconciliation is reestablishing mutual trust. 
reestablishing mutual trust. And we are not called to reestablish mutual trust with everybody. Like there, there are people in my life who, who have acted like snakes before. I just put it like that. And a snake will bite you over and over and over again. And so I'm not going to reestablish mutual trust with someone who has snake-like tendencies because they might attack again. They, I, they might be in a situation where they might hurt me again and then therefore hurt themselves and their potential to be saints. They might go to hell because of their sins against humanity, their, their sins against children. So I want to invite you to, to, to first recognize that reconciliation isn't necessary, right? What's honoring your parents is a number of things. Praying for their conversion of heart. Fasting. Fasting for their conversion of heart. You're, you are aware of their wrinkles in ways that other people may not be aware of their wrinkles. Other people may think, oh man, they were the best parents in the world. They have no idea the ways in which they have wounded the body of Christ in you. They have no, no idea. And so there's an opportunity to, to pray for them, to, to fast for them, but to also seek justice and report Report the abuse. I don't know how old you are, Don, and and or if, if 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 this is for you or if this is for someone else. But reporting the abuse is justice, and justice is needed when it comes to abuse, even if it's our parents. I don't care if it, if it's a priest, if it's a cop, if it's a teacher, if it's our parents, if it's a family member, to report them to the authorities is is a gift for them. Because it could provide them an opportunity, number one, to avoid the near occasion of hurting you again and or others again, but also gives them a time to experience uh, necessary transformation, necessary reparation for the offenses against humanity, for the offenses against those who are created in the image of God, for the offenses against the body of Christ. And so to honor them, I would say, would be to, to bring it to the light, if, if you can, to, um, to, for justice to happen to the proper authorities, um, to um, also pray for them, to fast for them, uh, and, and to keep a healthy distance from them as well, potentially, to keep a distance from them um, and, and certainly forgive them, right? Forgiveness, uh, which is, again, praying for their conversion, but not necessarily reconciling with them. So God bless you. God bless you so much. And uh, I am praying for you. Uh, so, so much. And there, there are so many saints, too, I, I want to encourage you and invite you to spend time with. There's a, a theologian, Dawn, Dawn Eden, and she has a lot of good resources when it comes to experiencing the healing power of Christ, um, especially with regards to sexual abuse. Um, and so I'd really encourage you to, to look into her, her works, her writings. Uh, that might be helpful to you as well. Um, I definitely always encourage counseling. Counseling is such a gift for, for all of us. Um, and and spend time with Jesus Christ crucified, and he is with you. He is with you. I am with you. The saints are with you. There's so many saints who who are also interceding for you right now. So you are not alone. God bless you. If y'all have any if y'all have any advice, any questions with regards to this topic, any comments, any additional advice that might be helpful for Dawn, for me, for any of our other viewers, hit me up at AskFatherJosh.com and, and let me know. Moving on, next question is about anxiety. First and foremost, this is written from Megan. She writes, first and foremost, I just want to thank you for being an incredible inspiration to us. Oh, well, God bless you. My question is this. Pray for me, Megan. Please pray for me. Pray a rosary for me today, if you will. 
Blessed Mother always talks about the rosary. So pray a rosary for me, offer a mass for me. I want to be a saint so bad. <laughs> and yet I'm still this broken, imperfect sinner. <laughs> so um, Megan writes, my question is, I struggle with anxiety all the time. I can't seem to find this inner peace. I struggle to trust. How does a practicing Catholic go about this? Megan, God bless you. Uh, great, great question. So anxiety is a real thing. And I think sometimes in our, our circles, we can we can just kind of act like it's not that big of a deal. And we have, in the past, I've known people who've acted as if, well, there's something wrong with you if you are anxious because the Bible says, do not be anxious. I mean, Philippians chapter 4 says, do not be anxious. Matthew chapter 6, God says, do not worry. And so sometimes I think Christians perceive, well, if I'm worrying or if I'm anxious, then that means that there's clearly um, something wrong with the way I'm praying. I'm not holy enough or something like that. So first of all, I want to just let you know that you're not alone. You are not alone, all right? So what do you do? All right, well, first things first is bring it to Jesus. Bring your anxiety to Jesus. Acknowledge it, that it's real. Acknowledge you're experiencing it related to the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to you. Where does he speak to us more, more, most clearly? Well, in the scriptures, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 might be helpful for you to pray with, um, where Jesus, through St. Paul, reminds us to, to think about that which is good, to dwell on that which is praiseworthy, um, to, to reorient our, our attention there. Matthew chapter 6, wow, Jesus, you are inviting me right now in Matthew chapter 6, do not worry. But just listen to him speak those words to you over and over again. Proclaim those words out loud. Proclaim the word of God out loud. That way, if it is a spiritual attack, the word of God is fighting for you. Exodus 14, 14, uh, Moses wrote, uh, well, God spoke and he said, I will fight for you. Moses wrote God's word down, though. I will fight for you. How does God fight for us? Well, in the, in the word of God. Remember when Jesus Christ was being attacked by Satan? Yeah, during the time after his baptism, whenever he was going up into the mountains. And um, what did he do? When Satan came to him, he just proclaimed the word of God out loud. So just, first of all, I want to invite you to proclaim the word of God out loud. Focus your attention on the word of God. But don't stop there. Then go deeper into the word of God. In the word of God in the Old Testament, in the book of Sirach, chapter 38, says this. I'm going to read it to you because it's super important because I think a lot of Christians aren't aware of what the scriptures teach us about the gift of health and medicine. <laughs> and this is what the word of God says. This is God's word, all right? Sirach chapter 38. Make friends with the doctor, for he is essential to you. Okay, so Megan, I, I want to invite you to hear these words. Make friends with the doctor, for he is essential to you. God has also established him in his profession. From God, the doctor has wisdom, and from the king, he receives sustenance. Knowledge makes the doctor distinguished and gives access to those in authority. God makes the earth yield healing herbs, which the prudent should not neglect. Was not the water sweetened by a twig so that all might learn his power? He endows people with knowledge to glory in his mighty works through which the doctor eases pain. And the druggist, like the pharmacist, prepares his medicines. Thus, God's work continues without cease in its efficacy on the surface of the earth. My child, when you are ill, do not delay, 
but pray to God. All right, so first thing you did was you pray to God, for it is he who heals. So God's going to be one, the one who heals. Flee wickedness, purify your hands, cleanse your heart of every sin. Go to confession. Offer your sweet-smelling oblation and memorial, a generous offering according to your means. Then give the doctor his place, lest he leave. You need him too. This is the word of God. You need the doctor too. For there are times when recovery is in his hands. For he too prays to God. God heals us, but God sometimes heals us just straight up through prayer. But other times God heals us through people, through the doctor. That his diagnosis may be correct and his treatment bring about a cure. Whoever is a sinner before his maker will be defiant toward the doctor. So if we reject the doctor's help, we're rejecting God's help. Because God wants to heal us through people quite often. So first of all, go to Jesus. Go to the word of God. Sit before the blessed sacrament, right? Um, Then go to a doctor. Go see a counselor. I can't tell you how many holy people I've known who have, who, who, number one, see a counselor every week, see a, a psychotherapist, um, psychologist, right? They go to doctors. How many people go to, to doctors to get medicine, take pills, right? And it helps them. Um, how many people have gone to um, facilities who have gone to get treatment center help? Like, it's all good, and it's a gift to us. And so just be open to getting treatment, whether it's inpatient or outpatient, be open to the doctor, be open to medicine, be open to prayer. And then whenever these attacks come, don't feel bad. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing something wrong. It's not like you're not holy enough or you're not praying right. Like when they come, just go to God. Like try to make it a habit. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit. Every time I get in my car, I put my seatbelt on. It's just, I, I just do it naturally. And so I don't even think about doing that. I just do it. Try to begin making habits of whenever the attacks happen to run to prayer, to run to the word of God and to have something to, 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 to do that will become a consistent habit uh, that, that I think could help you. And so there's other things, too, as well. Um, I think the Jesus prayer, the breathing exercise is also helpful. Lord Jesus Christ, breathe in. Son of God, have mercy. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy in me, a sinner, breathe out. Uh, just that way we're focusing on our breath, we're focusing on his prayer, and then if we're focusing on our, on our breath and the prayer, we're not focusing on the attack. That that has helped some people, might be helpful to you, might not. But uh, just want to encourage you to do that and recognize you're not alone, and hopefully those scriptures, hopefully the word of God, Sirach 38. And yeah, this is one of the gifts, too, um, that many of our Protestant brothers and sisters just don't have. You know, remember, do you remember? Um, you might remember. You might not. It might be your first time listening, but I left the Catholic Church for years. And when I left the Catholic Church... I didn't pray with the, the Bible that the Catholic Church gave us in the, in the year the 300s. And as many of you know, when Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest, he left the Catholic Church in the 1500s. When he left the Catholic Church, he took books out of the Bible. He took seven books out of the Bible. One of those books was Sirach. And so many of our Protestant brothers and sisters in their Bibles, they don't have seven books because he took them out. They were in the Bible that that there was like only there was there was one Bible that the Catholic Church gave to us in the 300s, like 382, right? He took the books out of the Bible, so so many of our brothers and sisters don't have that book, Sirach. And I've walked with some um, who, like, I, I was at a conference one time years ago, an evangelical conference that I was invited to go to as a Catholic, and one of the the, the, the people at this conference um, made the comment to people that were sick, if they weren't being healed, it's because of them. Is because they weren't praying right, and because because God only heals spiritually. They don't need medicine. I was thinking like, what? 
So, I mean, it was just, it's a shame that if they would have just had this passage from the Word of God, which they don't because Martin Luther took it out. Yeah, hashtag Martin Luther frustrates me sometimes, so I pray for him. I pray, I pray for his, his soul. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so finally, before we go to our break, one last question, converting to Catholicism. This question comes from a loving wife and mother. She writes this, I'm a 40-year-old wife, mother with one daughter left at home. She's 15 and Christian. Awesome. Praise God. As an adult, I have always attended non-denominational type churches. Hey, I, I went to a few of those myself. We recently moved to a small town where there is only one Christian church. I'm involved there, but unhappy with the pastor. Recently, I've been attending and going to a Catholic mass in a different town, and I feel like that's where I belong. There's no place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. This Will Reagan song is so good. So here is my question. I truly desire to convert to the Catholic faith, but wonder if that's the right thing for several reasons. Number one, my husband is content and happy in his Protestant faith, and I would say the same for my teenage daughter. Is it right to leave them behind and move towards conversion? I see the value in attending church as a family, so... Where does this lead me? I feel so torn and feel like I have to choose between faith and my family, community church. Do I just remain what I call a closet Catholic, LOL, and keep reading and devouring podcasts for my spiritual growth, or do I make a step away from my family faith-wise? I truly don't know what to do, and I pray you'll be able to give me some insight. Oh, God bless you. So I think I mean, my prayer for you is pretty simple. If Jesus Christ is inviting you, which is pretty clear to me that he is inviting you to the sacramental life of the, of the church, um, he's inviting you to, 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 to become Catholic right now, he will take care of the rest. So this is just, honestly, this is about you, you trusting Jesus, that he will take care of your family, and he will give them the graces that they need. He will provide. But you clearly are perceiving that God is drawing you. He's drawing you with bands of love toward the sacraments, toward the Eucharist. If we say yes to Jesus, he will provide everything else. So I know that's a really simple answer, but it's pretty clear to me that an invitation from God would never lead to bad things happening. An invitation from God will only lead to our sanctification and the sanctification of our community, of our community. And so I just trust in that. It's, a, it's an invitation to trust. Uh, a good book that you might want to read is Rome Sweet Home by Dr. Scott Hahn and uh, Kimberly Hahn. Great book about their experience of coming to the Catholic Church and then the family coming after and everything like that. And, uh, and, and know that I'm praying for you, and I cannot wait to be one with you at the altar. And uh, if you ever come down to Louisiana, come to Holy Rosary, and we could celebrate Mass together, and it's going to be awesome. So what do you all think? Do you have any additional advice? Write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do. But let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library, with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people. 
thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. Also, please rate us and review us on iTunes. That helps other people find out about the show. All right, the next question is about a father wound. First off, this person, uh, Bianca, wrote, she said, uh, I like to say I absolutely love the podcast. Well, Bianca, I love you uh, in the Thomistic way. Like, what is love? Love is desiring the greatest good for the other. And I desire for you to be a saint. So I think you are helping many people and doing a great job. Well, praise God. If I'm doing anything good, it is totally the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I praise God that I am able to be in union with him whenever I do good because it's all him. It's all his grace. Because it's all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. It's all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. All right, so Bianca writes this. I try to keep my questions short. My father left my life at a young age, and I never had a relationship with him. As you can imagine, it affected me very negatively growing up. I often sought the love and attention elsewhere. Now, um, I want to get to a place of forgiveness, but I'm not sure how. I still have a void in my heart. I did not have contact with my dad at all. I want to turn to God as he's our eternal father, but sometimes it's hard. And I feel like I've missed out on having a father figure in my life. Any advice? Okay. God bless you. You were, uh, you also were pretty heavy on my heart this week, Bianca. So uh, the first thing I just want to talk about is forgiveness. Uh, what is forgiveness and what is forgiveness not? We talked about this earlier in the show. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is reestablishing mutual trust. And again, we aren't mandated by God to reestablish mutual trust with everybody. We are called to forgive. If we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us. So what is forgiveness? Um, forgiveness is not forgetting. Some people say, oh, forgive and forget what your dad did. You can't forget. He left you. We cannot forget when people have wounded us. It would actually not be healthy to forget because if we forget, then we might place ourselves in a posture for them to do it again. So we don't, we're not called to forget. Forgiveness is not not feeling the emotions. We can't control our emotions. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says it is, it's not in our power to not feel the emotions that come with offenses of others. So if someone's offended you, when people offend me, I can't control the way I feel. If I get sad or, or mad or, or whatever, I just have to reverence my emotions. So I want to invite you to reverence whatever your emotions might be. And they come and go in different ways. And so forgiveness is, is desiring someone's good. Forgiveness is praying for someone to become a saint. Forgiveness is desiring someone to be saved. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus was on the cross. They were offending him. They were hurting him. And he said, Father, forgive them. They never apologized. Forgiveness is not something that we extend to other people when they say, I'm sorry. Forgiveness is unilateral. When Jesus Christ did ministry, he was walking to a ministry and people were sick and they were hurting. He said, will you heal me? He said, yeah. And he healed them. Then he said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. They, they never said, oh, by the way, my bad, I'm sorry, I apologize, I repent. He just forgave them unilaterally. 
So forgiveness is something that we extend to others. Do you have to extend that forgiveness face-to-face? No, you can just do it in prayer. But we, 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 we pray for them to be, to be saved. We pray for them to be saints. So then what, what else do we do? Well, then, then we go to Jesus because we recognize, man, like, wounded people wound people. Your dad's wounded. That's why he wounded you. Hurt people hurt people, right? So um, we go to Jesus because he's the only one who will not hurt us. He's the only one who will, will never offend us. And Jesus is the image of the Father. Jesus is the image of the Father. Jesus is the image of God the Father. And so we go and sit before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And he, he will heal us in his will, his way, and his time. We expose the wound to him and say, I want, you to, I want you to show me the Father's love. And he might speak to you in the scriptures. He might draw you to, to the story of the prodigal son. I don't know what. He might draw you to the cross and show you how he was there for you. He's there with you right now. I don't know. I mean, he's going to do what he's going to do. I can't manipulate your prayer experience. But Jesus is the image of the Father, and he's with you. And so just go to Jesus, and he will reveal the Father's love. Because he's a good, good Father. It's who he is. It's who he is. And Bianca, you are loved by him. That's who you are. So, yeah, just go to Jesus, and he will reveal the Father. And he might do it in your sleep. He might do it when you're in the car. He might do it when you hang out with friends. He might do it when you're outside. He might do it in the Adoration Chapel. God is so awesome, and he communicates in a million different ways. So just, I want to invite you and encourage you to be open to him communicating the Father, his paternity to you. All right, so final question, communion cup. This question comes from a guy named Josh. Uh, Josh says, I don't, Josh, that's a great name. That is a great name. Do you know what that name means? Look it up, it's good. All right, so Josh writes this, Yeshua. Yeshua, Yeshua. Yeshua means Jesus. Jesus, God saves, God's salvation. So Josh wrote this. I don't want to drink out of the same cup at communion, especially during flu season because I'm a germaphobe. Is that wrong? Well, look, Josh, you can't control how you are. If you're a germaphobe, then you can pray for God to to transform that. But uh, receiving the precious blood of Jesus Christ from the chalice is optional. So if you are a germaphobe, you certainly don't have to. One of the cool things about the communion host that we receive at Mass is in the, the communion host, it's, it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. When you receive the Eucharist in the form of the host, the sacred host, it's, it is the blood of Christ, as well as the body. So if you don't want to go to the chalice, you don't have to, because you've received the blood of Christ in the host, as well as the body. It's, it's, it's all there, um, even if it's just like a little little piece of the host. So uh, it's, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's an invitation from Jesus. Uh, it is a gift to be able to receive from the chalice, but... You don't have to if you don't want to. All right. So that brings us to the end of today's show. So regardless of your circumstances, here are a few things that uh, might be applicable to everybody. Universal point drawn from honoring parents is that honoring parents does not mean that we tolerate their sins uh, against us. So justice justice is a good thing for them and for us. Uh, universal point drawn from anxiety is that God heals, but God heals in many ways. Sometimes he's going to heal in the scriptures, in praise and worship, and adoration, and prayer. Sometimes he's going to heal also with counseling, therapy, medication, and treatment. Universal point drawn from converting to the church, uh, any invitation from Jesus is a good thing. Universal point drawn from forgiveness is that forgiveness is not reconciliation. It is not reestablishing mutual trust. It is 
um, praying for somebody to become a saint, interceding for them. A universal point drawn from communion cup and receiving it is that it's optional. You don't have to if you don't want to, but if you feel called to, it's never going to be a bad thing. All right, let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just want to invite my sons and my daughters who are listening to the podcast right now to just come and sit with me before you on the cross. To sit at the foot of the cross with Mary, John, and Mary Magdalene, Joseph of Arimathea, to sit there at the cross and to look at you. Give us the grace to be present to you, to see you, to see your wounded body, to gaze at you as you gaze at us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for suffering for us, and thank you for suffering with us. Thank you for thank you for just allowing us to see the, the truth that you did not come here 2,000 years ago so that we would not ever have to experience suffering, but that you came here to, <laughs> to teach us how to suffer well, to teach us how to suffer redemptively by focusing on the Father in the midst of our suffering and by focusing on others, going out of ourselves for others. Oh, Lord, you are so good. You are so good. Thank you. Thank you for your cross. Give us give us the grace to just to be like St. Paul and to always keep Jesus Christ crucified before our minds, before our hearts. Amen. All right, y'all. That's, uh, that's it for today's show. I can't wait to be with you next week. And pray for me. I'm praying for you. Let's be saints.